Hello, hello, you guys. Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to another episode of 20-something Trials. I'm your host, Gabby, and guys, I am so, so excited for you to hear this week's episode. I had the opportunity to sit down with Emma Bevilacqua. She is the creator and face behind the beautiful words that are written on the Sweaty But Cute blog. Emma is a 24-year-old working in digital marketing trying to figure out her post-grad life. Over quarantine, she started a self-care blog, Sweaty But Cute, where she shares self-love, self-development, and self-care tips. She started her blog because she wanted to challenge the narrative that we need to change our bodies in order to feel confident. She shares her experience and educates others on the truth of diet culture, how to better your mental health as a young woman, and how to use self-care to feel happy and confident. Her goal is to be a positive influence online and help others find self-love through self-care. You guys will hear me say often throughout this episode that these are the words I needed to hear as a 14 and 15 year old teenage girl and sometimes the things I need to hear even as a 23 year old woman. So I hope that no matter how old you are, no matter where your stance is with your body, that you find some type of comfort within this episode. One of the statistics that she's going to throw out is pretty startling. And just to reinforce it here, it's that 90% of women are unhappy with their appearance. So guys, I hope throughout this episode that you can find commonality, that we are all in this together, but more so the importance of speaking positively about ourselves to others and especially to ourselves. So before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to remind you to follow us on Instagram at 20-something trials and leave a rating and review if you have not already. So other than that, you guys, I would love to introduce you to my friend, Emma. All right. So I'm Emma. Um, I'm from Rochester, New York, which is like Western New York, kind of near Buffalo, um, way closer to Canada than New York City. I'm nowhere near New York City. Um, I graduated in 2018 from John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, and I double majored in marketing in the business school and integrated marketing communications in the communication school. So marketing twice, basically. Um, After I graduated, I worked at Disney through their college program for a semester. Then I moved back home and I um, just started applying for jobs um, in the marketing world, I guess. So in the meantime, I got a full-time job at Lululemon at the mall. So I was working there and applying for jobs, going to interviews. And I went to about I want to say like almost 20 interviews um, before I landed a job. And I actually just recently got a job in digital marketing a week ago. So I start next week and that's kind of just a quick synopsis of, you know, who I am, a little background info. And I know I said this before we started recording, but I like super exciting that, you know, Post-grad is such a hard time as it is. And then you add in like this struggle to get a job. So congratulations. You got one. You're moving on. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's definitely such a tricky time. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine that like now more than ever is like probably one of the more difficult times to get a job. And I'm sure that Mm -hmm. like did not do anything well for your anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. But that's super exciting. And now you'll be working in the field that you studied, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my main goal because I've 
feel like I could have easily gotten, you know, just like any business job, but Mm -hmm. I did a bunch of internships and, you know, I did double major in marketing. So I really wanted to work in marketing. So that was really important to me. So I'm glad I'm finally getting started. Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know if I've ever like heard of somebody and I, this could just be like me not knowing, but like you're, I think the first person I've heard who's majored double majored essentially in very similar fields, but also, you know, I imagine very different too. once you like dive into the content of them. What made you decide to do that? Um, so it's actually, it's like something that happened just honestly because of my stubborn personality. Yeah. So <laughs> I um, started off as a business major at school, uh, majoring or I guess like concentrating in marketing and I took a lot of advanced classes in high school. So I was scheduled to graduate in three years, but I kind of just wanted the experience of all four years. So I looked into, you know, possibly minoring in something. Um, so I know I had like a few friends that were in the communication school mm-hmm. and they were doing a lot of cool um, marketing things that I wasn't doing in my business classes like they had branding classes and event planning and kind of like more creative stuff while I was taking like accounting and finance and statistics so I you know kind of wanted to see if I could minor in that so I talked to the communications department there and it turned out to minor in it I needed like I don't know like eight more classes or something and to double major in it I needed like 12 so I was just kind of like I may as well take a few more classes so I told my guidance counselor, I think that's what they're called in college, um, that I wanted to do that. And he was just kind of like, I don't think you're going to graduate in time. That's not a good idea. And, you know, just being stubborn and saying like, no, I think I can do that. I just, you know, decided, no, I'm going to, I'm going to double major. And I did graduate in time. So I guess I just like a challenge. Well, and it's funny, I feel like you hear, like I had a similar um, conversation in high school with our counselor. It was about a math credit. I hated math, very stubborn like you in terms of if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. Or if I like put my mind to it, it's going to happen. So I could not do, so I'm an English teacher. I could not do pre-cal. I failed the first test, cried to my teacher and then withdrew. (laughs) And I ended up like that was my junior year. So I ended up jumping into like AP psych online. It was like the only class online that wasn't something like dumb. Um, so I remember sitting with my counselor and she was like, you're not going to get accepted into a four-year college without this math credit. And I was like, I'm going to take another math credit. I'm just, I cannot take pre-cal. Like I cannot do this. And anyway, I remember like when I got into all of my colleges, I would like make a point to go up to her and be like, got accepted, you know, just to be like, come on. You know, it was just bizarre to me that people with like that influential power kind of have the audacity to be like, "Mm, it's not going to happen rather than being like, put your mind to it, work hard. You got Mm -hmm. this. So I understand that. And I also understand then that like competitive nature to come back in and be like, oh, okay, no, no, no. Well, I'm going to graduate on time. So here you go. Yep. (laughs) And I had to take just one class after graduation. Um, so I didn't get my diploma, but I got to walk and everything, the May yeah. ceremony. So it definitely counted. And now you also did not have like a traditional sense, a traditional path in the sense of you jumped right into work right after you graduated, right? Correct. I um, did the Disney college program after I finished up graduating and taking that one class over the summer and 
moved to Orlando, Florida for about six months and worked at Disney World. And it was honestly just always something I've wanted to do. And like, when would I ever get the opportunity to do that again? And I don't regret it at all. It was honestly like one of the best experiences. So now I've heard of this program. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that it's like, it's advertised at many, many schools, but what exactly is it like kind of take me back into those six months? What were you doing? Yeah. So when you, um, I guess like just when you get to the program, you are basically in like Disney housing. Um, so it's kind of like apartments with other um, college students or, you know, post-grad students that are going to work at Disney World. So um, you get like roommates. I had roommates that worked at a bunch of different resorts and parks and we all had different jobs. So it was really cool. Um, and you get a job in a certain park. So I did merchandise in Magic Kingdom and Fantasyland, which was really fun because um, Disney does a lot of costumes. So I got to wear like a princess dress because I was in like the princess area. And I, you know, pretty much just worked full time there that six months. And it was just cool because you get a lot of perks. You get to go into the parks for free. Um, you're obviously like living in Florida. So I would go to the beach all the time. So it was just a really cool opportunity. You get to meet a lot of cool people from all over the world. And they have a lot of professional um, development opportunities, too. Like, I took some classes on, like, the history of Disney and why their business is so successful. So it's very cool. I recommend it to everyone. You know, you don't often think of, like, Disney as a business, but it's one of the most successful businesses, right, like, in the world. Yeah, I feel like they own everything nowadays. Yes. Like yeah. everything media wise. Which is crazy. And for you as somebody who is, you know, going into this like, you know, new field for marketing, like how cool for you to get to see one of the top performing businesses, like how they do, you know, all of these things from that business standpoint. Yeah, it was really cool. And just the training that they do. Um, you just understand the business so much and why they're so successful. So it was a great opportunity like for fun and for professional reasons too. And truly, I feel like it's one of those, it's, it's like a once in a lifetime kind of thing because I don't think, you know, in 10 years you could have applied, right? Isn't it more mm -hmm. so for like college kids and then like post-grad, like a year or two post-grad? Yeah, you have to either be enrolled in college or basically like be a fresh grad. Okay. Yeah. So why not? Right. Why not go hang out at mm -hmm. Disney World for a little bit? Right. Because I'll be working the rest of my life. So yeah. may as well. Well, that was work too, but it was fun. Yes, exactly. You're at Disney. It's, it's going to be a blast. So. Right. So, okay. So your six month period ends. Kind of talk us through that point. What comes next for you? So that ended around January and it was January, 2019. And it was kind of just a weird time because I was just kind of like riding on the high of life. Like I had a really fun senior year with all my friends. Um, and then I got to live in Disney World. And then I moved back home to my hometown, living in my childhood bedroom. Yep. So it kind of went from like 100 to zero real fast. Um, so that was a struggle. And I knew like my next step was to find a full-time job in marketing since that's what I worked so hard for in college. So I was just, you know, moving back, applying for jobs, and I was honestly having a hard time concentrating just because, you know, just all of your emotions from post-grad and then yeah. just, you know, constantly not hearing back from jobs, getting rejected. 
So I ended up applying to Lululemon at the mall and I worked there full time and it honestly made me more productive with applying for jobs. And it's honestly another great company. I feel like very similar to Disney where they have like an awesome company culture and you know, they're one of those businesses where I don't, I think they came out of coronavirus and they still don't have any debt. So they're just like another great company to work for. So I loved working for them. It was a great opportunity, had great coworkers, but you know, in the meantime, I was driving from my hometown, Rochester, New York to Cleveland at least once a month for interviews. And every interview I had, like, you know, it either was like a flat out rejection or like, we're going to go with the other person. Like you were our Mm -hmm. second choice or Ooh, we were going to hire you, but our budget can't allow us to bring someone on right now. So it was just, it was very frustrating, very devastating, not an easy time in my life at all. Um, and then coronavirus happened come March. So it was, I was basically applying for jobs for a whole year at that point. And then, you know, just kind of found out that the economy is not going to be doing so hot. So, yeah. you know, that was very, very stressful. Um, and that is, actually when I had the idea to start my blog. So um, digital marketing is, if you're not familiar, it's marketing for brands using, you know, like websites or social media or email. So essentially I have always been interested in starting a blog, but I never, you know, dove into it. And obviously with coronavirus, the mall was closed, so I didn't have to work. Um, So it was like the perfect opportunity. Um, I had a bunch of free time. So I kind of started a blog as a way to, you know, stand out from the competition and just be like, you know, like not only do I have all this great internship experience and, you know, experience from college, but I essentially started my own brand. I, you know, built the website using WordPress. I have an email list using MailChimp. I have social media accounts, like um, just like building my own experience. And I've honestly learned so much from it from a professional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where that happened. And it actually, I, I think it helped me get a job. Um, literally last week, I just got offered a job. So that's kind of the whole, my whole post-grad story and like the start of why I started my blog. Yeah. And I am super excited to dive into, you know, more of the in-depth reasons behind the blog. Before we get into that though, I want to talk about, you know, how you kept yourself going when ultimately you were faced with probably more rejection than you had ever anticipated coming out of college. So what are some tips, what's some advice that you can give to other postgrad students who might be in the same boat or are absolutely terrified of getting rejected from a job? Yeah. So um, I think like the biggest tip is don't compare yourself to others. Um, it was a very difficult year because I am seeing people that I went to school with on social media that are, you know, getting really nice apartments or getting engaged or, you know, getting a promotion, let alone a job. And you only see people's highlight reels, you have to remember. And there might be more people going through you know, what you're going through and also keeping in mind that things happen for people at different times in their life. So, you know, I, that whole year was just one year of my life where I probably learned a lot of great life lessons. Um, And now I'm back on track. So it's totally fine if you seem like your life's a little behind and honestly just honoring those negative feelings because 
I, there were like some jobs that I took harder than others just because I thought it was really going to work out or I really liked the job. And honestly, just, I would take like two weeks off from applying for jobs and, you know, listen to like angsty music or like (laughs) driving like with the windows (laughs) down, like crying if you have to. And just like, it's okay to feel that way. It's definitely very frustrating and other people are going through it, but just keeping the hope that it will work out and you have to trust yourself and be your biggest fan because you don't believe in yourself who is going to. And I'm going to be really interested to see like once you get going with this new job, if you're going to be like, oh my gosh, all of this happened for a reason. Like this is where I'm meant to be. I love what I'm doing. And I think sometimes you almost have to hold on to those glimpses, you know, of hope in terms of like what's to come, especially when you have faced, you know, a lot of, disappointment. And I'm sure it was not easy on, you know, your self-esteem too, to keep getting those no's. I mean, you're, you're a human, right? So after a period of time, you're like, well, what the hell? Like I, you know, I spent four years in college. I'm a double major. Like I'm trying to put myself in your position. And I think I would be like, are you kidding me? Like hire me. (laughs) Exactly. It was very frustrating. And just like talking to friends and families, members they would just be like I'm so confused because I've always been that person who you know got good grades like took advanced classes extracurriculars and it's just like you wouldn't think of me as the person that would struggle that much to get a job so just know it's literally not you and just everything happens for a reason and I think what you said about not comparing yourself is so important because it's so easy to look at what everybody else is doing and be like well why isn't that happening for me why you know why did they get this job why did why is this happening when you're absolutely right in reality we are just seeing a very very small portion of mm-hmm. the big picture and we have no idea especially if we don't know these people or if you're just an acquaintance you have no idea what's going on behind those pictures behind Instagram right like mm-hmm. as humans there there are so much more to us than just that Instagram feed and it's really hard not to get caught up in all of like the glamour behind it so yeah. i yeah I get it. It's, it stinks, but I'm, I think I'm confident. I don't know you well enough, but I'm going to go ahead and say that like, this is all happening for a reason and everything is probably working out the way that it's meant to. Totally believe that. Yes. So let's dive into your blog a little bit more. Talk to me about why you started it. Obviously there was time on your hands, but there was a more pressing reason behind it. Let's dive into that. Yeah. So obviously, like I stated before, one of the main reasons that physically made me say, okay, I'm going to start this is because I wanted to gain that extra marketing experience. And I think that's very valuable for people to know. Like if you want to go into a certain career field and you might not have as much experience, create your own Mm because for a lot of jobs, you totally can. So that's initially why I started it. But I guess, um, what inspired me to write about what I write about is kind of a much deeper story that I feel like a lot of young women go through throughout their lives that isn't talked about a lot. So um, my blog is kind of like a self-care health wellness blog, um, but it really focuses on eating healthy and working out to feel good and not look good. Mm -hmm. And just using that voice and that message um, because I feel like so many blogs out there and you know influencers that talk about these topics they're talking about it as a way of like 
okay, you can do this workout routine to lose weight, or you can, you know, you have to eat this way to lose weight. And it's, you know, it's not true. And um, I guess that really made me start this. And I was um, thinking about this earlier too, but I really um, found out that I was like passionate about this subject because, you know, when quarantine started, I was scrolling through TikTok and Instagram so much. And I would see these, you know, like really, really skinny, like 16 year old girls um, with like no body fat at all doing like 10 sit-ups and um, maybe like 10 push-ups and then saying like, this is my workout routine. Like, you know, this is what I do every day. If you want to look like me, this is what you have to do. And I was like, that is so awful because first of all, like you're 16, your body isn't even fully developed. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to you. Second of all, I am a hundred percent sure that you do not look the way you do because of that workout routine. Um, <laughs> I work out like a lot harder than that, no offense, and I do not look like you. Um, and just knowing that it's probably her genetics and yeah. it's not just your workout, it's going to be what you eat. And um, I read a quote the other day that was like, if we all ate the same and worked out the same, we would look completely different. And I think that's just such an important message that everyone's body is different we all have different genetics and it should be more about I want to be healthy not um I want to be skinny so that's kind of where the idea of this blog started and just being you know an influence for other young girls um that might not know how to start health and fitness and are getting the wrong message from basically everyone else and, and, you know, that is, I think the most important thing. And that's why I think the mission behind your blog is so strong because, you know, as we had said earlier, like we remember being those young girls, like looking for what the women who looked quote unquote perfect to us, you know, were doing. And it, a lot of it boils down to our genetics. You know, I am five feet. I am never going to look the way that a six, one girl does because my body is not meant for that. I am never going to have these stick figure legs because I don't, one, I don't want them, but two, you know, that's, that's not how my body was made. And even looking at the women in my family, that's not how they were made, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think this, there's such a negative culture that we grow up in that promotes looking a certain way. And, you know, it comes in so many different forms, whether that is media, magazines, anything on social media. I can even remember conversations that like I would remember adults having in front of me about body image. And when we're so young and impressionable, like we absorb all of that. And eventually all of that information, you know, we, we bring that with us into adulthood and it's super negative. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if you're aware of this statistic, but I thought it was pretty interesting when I learned, but apparently 90% um, of women are unhappy with how their body looks, which I think is just insane. That's nine in 10 people you talk to. So it's just, it's very common. And when I first released my first blog post, I had a lot of friends and, you know, even strangers reach out to me and be like, thank you so much for sharing that because like, I really don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but almost everyone experiences it. And that's the thing. It's like, if we continue to have these conversations just in our head, like if we don't put it out into the world, you know, that cycle continues. So by somebody like you saying, Hey, this is how I, I feel. This is how I grew up. This is what I'm trying to do. 
different people will see that and be like, oh, I feel that way. Like this, this is okay that I feel this way. It, it's in a way normal. Like it's normal. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I'm reading Glennon Doyle's book right now called Untamed. And I have talked about this book probably to anybody who would listen to me because it's one of those that really can have like major impact if you can like sit with some of the stuff that she brings up like a lot of it forces you to look inward and so that can be a really hard thing and um it I was saying to my boyfriend like this is one of those books that will really have lasting impact on you just because of how vulnerable she is like she's a woman in her 40s she you know is very open about her struggle with addiction her struggle with bulimia um And I think as a woman, it's really important to hear those things because she talks a lot about how as women, we are put into this box and into this category and told to act a certain way and look a certain way and eat a certain way. And then most of us are not wired to do that, you know? And so we are struggling with these feelings, you know, inward about wanting to break free from, you know, these freaking restraints that the world has put on us. And, you know, so she talks about how for her, she, you know, lost herself and fell into bulimia because it's where she, you know, felt safe in a way. And I think, you know, she, and she shares, she was 11. And I think about so many young girls out there who are between 10 and 15, who are getting these messages and just the horrific impact that it has on them. Definitely. I mean, first of all, that book is on my to read list. So I think I'm reading it next. So I'm Please read really it next. Excited. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like what you were saying about being vulnerable and sharing that is so important. And that's, you know, like essentially what I'm trying to do. Um, just with like my blog and even like my Instagram account connected to my blog, because, you know, a lot of people don't talk about that. And I'm not and I've never was like, a much bigger girl. Um, I was always like a little bit chubby, but no one really talks about how, you know, like you could be quote unquote skinny, but still feel pressures from society. And we just grow up in a world that's full of, you know, like diet culture and, you know, like really bad message when it comes to fitness. And just none of that is true. And I think um, with my experience, I, you know, I did like whatever girl did and did like all those awful diets. I think like the worst one I did was called the military diet. And like, I remember like for dinner is like a cup of green beans and an apple. And like, that is like a snack for me now. Like it's not a dinner. Um, But I followed that because I just so desperately was like, Oh, well, I don't look like that. Like I want to be skinny. So I think when I finally, like it finally like clicked for me, like, eating healthy and working out, it makes me feel confident. It makes me feel empowered. And that's why people should be doing this. They shouldn't be doing it to get skinny because, you know, clearly none of those diets work. Um, Yeah. So it's really just making those positive changes in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I can even think back to when like early high school, you know, I remember like, that was the first time I got my hands on diet pills. And like, why, why did I feel the need? First of all, they weren't even mine. So I like, and to be honest, I don't even remember how I ended up with them. But it's like, why did I, at I don't know, 14 feel the need Mm -hmm. to take something to make me look or feel a certain way. And I think I, I grew up like, 
with a very negative idea about food. And like I ate very restrictive. Like I ended up losing my period probably for all of high school. You know, I ate a very, very restrictive diet and my body was like truly starving because the messages that I was getting from whether it was people in my life or, you know, people not in my life, but like content that I was consuming, you know, I felt that pressure to eat a certain way and do things a certain way. When in reality, like you're hurting your body so badly because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like a main message that I have too, is creating that healthy relationship with not only food, but with exercise. Um, Mm -hmm. So I noticed like, just like you were saying, like people have that unhealthy relationship with food where they're like, Ooh, should I eat this cookie? I don't know if I deserve it. Like I might have to go on the treadmill tomorrow. Like, no, no one should have that mindset. If you want a cookie, eat a cookie. Like I remember um, when I was like on one of my like bad diets or whatever, I, um, it was like the Super Bowl, and I like love buffalo chicken wing dips. Who doesn't? And right. I didn't have any. And it's like, you're not living your life if you do that. And having that healthy relationship with food is like, oh, I'm going to eat this buffalo chicken wing dip because I want it. And then, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll eat a little bit healthier just so I can have that balance in my life. And I feel like the same goes with fitness that a lot of people don't think about, but a lot of people think fitness is a punishment or you know, like you have to work out to get a summer body. And, you know, none of that is true for me. I feel like the reason why I like fitness so much is for, um, you know, like it makes me feel confident. I like getting stronger. And one of the biggest impacts too is just on your mental health. Like it's great to de-stress and just clear your mind and, you know, have like your own you time. So just creating that healthy relationship with both food and exercise is so important that, you know, we're constantly bombarded with these messages that are making us think of food and exercise as like punishments almost. Yeah. Where did your relationship with food and exercise begin? More so, of where did your healthy relationship with it begin? Yeah. So it was my um, senior year of college. Um, I was, you know, very content and happy with my life. I had like a good friend group. I had an internship. I was going to graduate. Like, it was just like a really happy time in my life. And I, um, because I was hanging out with my friends so much, um, you know, that involved like a lot of eating out and drinking and just, you know, all of that. So I was gaining a bit of weight and I noticed that my clothes weren't fitting as much anymore. And I was like, okay, like I kind of want to lose weight. Um, but it was different this time. For some reason, I just felt like I had the rest of my life together that I wanted to also, you know, be healthier. Like it wasn't just about losing the weight it was like I truly said like I want to be healthy like this is a goal of mine like I want to start eating healthier I want to start working out regularly so just having that mindset made it stick for once like I always did like two-week exercise programs or like two-week diets or whatever and like obviously that's not gonna stick um but this time it was different I remember it was like my second semester senior year I went back like in January like total new year's resolution um (laughs) And I started going to the gym almost every day. And I started making just very small changes in my diet. Like if I was full, I stopped eating, like just listening to my body. And, you know, fast food did not agree with my stomach at all. Um, So I stopped eating as much of it. And it was all about, you know, trying to feel better. And I remember I would go to the gym every night around like 10 p.m. or so. And it was just like the best way to de-stress. Like I wasn't even there like in my mind, I wasn't there to be like 
skinnier. I like seriously just wanted to de-stress from the day. And it was the time of day that I looked forward to the most because it was like me time from, you know, always being busy throughout the day. So just like shifting that mindset is so important. And, you know, to this day, I haven't stopped, you know, eating healthier. I haven't stopped working out because it was truly like a lifestyle change. It wasn't just a diet. Yeah. And I, I want to emphasize what you had said about, you know, fast food, you stop eating fast food, not because it made you look a certain way, but because it made you feel bad. You did not like the way you felt. So like you said, you listen to your body and you eventually cut it out. And I think that is so important to hear like real women say is I don't eat this, not because it's going to make me look X, Y, Z, but because it doesn't agree with my stomach. I don't like the way I feel. My energy probably is depleted from it. So I'm going to fuel myself with something a little bit probably healthier just because that naturally is going to react with our body better. Totally. And I've noticed like just the way that I feel when I eat healthier is just like you don't have like stomach pains. I have so much more energy and that's why, you know, I eat healthy. It's not to look a certain way and I don't restrict myself if I want something, if I want ice cream. Mm -hmm. I have it because I know, you know, it's all about balance. And I'm just like, I, I eat healthy throughout the day. Like the majority of my meals are healthy. So I'm not going to like, my stomach's not going to hurt if I have like ice cream or if it's someone's birthday, if I want some cake right. um, or, you know, just not feeling guilty and just listening to your body. Cause there are some days where I eat so much just because I'm hungry mm-hmm. and that's totally fine. And, and that's why like, I hate when people like, count calories or whatever because it's really you just need to listen to your body your body knows when it's hungry yes yeah exactly and you know like you said you had made those small adjustments you didn't dive in and say i'm gonna cut out dairy and gluten and fast food you know it was mm-hmm. small gradual changes that eventually led to big results so what in addition to you know listening to those hunger cues what were some of those other smaller um changes that you had made Um. I think just like, just like really small changes at first, like just try and drink more water and um, try to incorporate healthier meals. Not saying you have to eat healthy every meal, but I, you know, like eventually really genuinely started to enjoy healthy food. And now like, I don't crave unhealthy food just because when your body's not used to it, it's like, it doesn't taste good anymore. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I like, I've never craved processed foods anymore I love like you know like dessert and chocolate and you know like certain things like french fries but you know cheeses and like that kind of stuff like whenever I like have one I'm like this is kind of gross because your body's yeah. just used to real food so it's you know really just slowly making those changes because if I made them all at once I never would have stuck with it No, it's so hard because, you know, that was a lifestyle, right? So if you're trying to make a lifestyle switch, you can't just wake up one day and be like, I'm vegan, you know, and some people can, I'm not saying that, but you know, I think it's really hard to be like, this is who I was yesterday and this is who I am today. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, because I think that kind of sets you up for failure. But one of the things you just said about like, you don't crave it anymore. I completely agree with that. And I had a friend in college who he would get, oh my God, his Starbucks drink like made me cringe, but it was like (laughs) six to 10, I think like pumps of sugar and like all this cream. And the cream makes me cringe because dairy and I like dairy 
wrecks havoc on my stomach, but Me too. <laughs> loved it. And he, he would get it like Monday through Friday when we were on campus. And he said one day, he's like, yeah, I'm going to try to cut out the coffee for a week. And I was like, okay. So he went a week. He didn't get it. That Friday, he went to see if he would like it. He took two sips and threw it out. He was like, this is absolutely disgusting. Right. So I think there's got to be some truth in that. Like maybe it's our taste buds that change, or maybe it's like, I don't know, something psychological, but just to me, that story, I'm like, wow, it really is true. If you can quit something, like if you can break that habit, odds are you really won't feel yourself craving it or needing it throughout the day. Yeah, because your body like knows what it needs and, you know, it doesn't need all that processed sugar and whatever. Like it definitely needs sugar, but yeah. um, just like not that amount. So when you don't have it, like your body's not craving it because it doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is, it's like all these really important things that, you know, for me, I wish I would have known at 14, you know, it took me when I was mm-hmm. into my twenties to like really get a handle on my health in terms of more so my relationship with food and exercise. Um, but I really like what you said earlier of like, when you work out, it is not a punishment for your body, right? This is supposed to be like this beautiful thing that you're able, Mm -hmm. you're lucky enough to be able to move your body, you know, and it's a gift. It's not a form of punishment. Yeah, definitely. And what I always say too, um, about like why I think working out really helps you build confidence is it's very difficult to hate your body when you see how much it's capable of. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, I've, I'm still not a big runner, but I used to like not be able to run like 0.10 miles. And, you know, just now, like I run like a mile, it's like a warm up, And it's just like, you know, going from being like, you know, very like unfit when it came to like running to like, kind of like making that benchmark where you get to see that progress and you're proud of your body for taking you that far. So like, why would you hate your body for, you know, completing that goal for you and, you know, being able to you know, work with you through that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes us seeing the way that other people cannot move their body for you to really be like, just grateful for what you have. Um, and the reason I say this and I totally generalized it, but for me, that was a big thing where I remember I was, I did nine rounds for a little bit. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but it's like, um, it's like this kickboxing gym and you go through nine different stations. It's hell. I mean, I would leave like head to toe drenched and, um, Mm -hmm. and it's funny, like I learned, I don't like feeling like I'm going to die in every workout. So for me, that did not work great. And Mm -hmm. then I would get hurt because it was just, it just wasn't for me and that's okay. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so I did it for probably a few months and I remember I went after work one day and I was just exhausted. Like I didn't want to be there. I wasn't there for the right reasons. And I remember like I was at maybe the eighth station. And I remember thinking of one of my students who's in a wheelchair. And I was like, get your ass in gear. Like, how dare you be mm-hmm. complaining right now that you don't want to finish this workout or that, you know, you're here for the wrong reasons. Like this kid can't do what you're doing right now. So shut up and freaking enjoy what you're doing and like, see like the beauty of what our bodies are able to do. Exactly. It's truly just like a celebration of your body and just, you know, being thankful that you're able to do all of that. And like I said, like, it's so hard to 
hate your body when you change your mindset to, you know, what we've been talking about. Right. So let's, you know, let, let's provide some tips for, let's say, you know, and not even young girls. I feel like this is every, like everybody, adults, you mm-hmm. know, especially older adults, whoever, I feel like everybody as a woman and as a man does struggle with this. So what are some tangible tips that you think, um, you know, you could give somebody who's, who maybe has a really negative, um, perspective when it comes to food, maybe a negative perspective when it comes to working out, what are some things that you could offer them? Yeah. So these are just, I feel like things that I say all the time to people, but, um, one of them, like we were talking about, change your mindset. If you truly want to be healthier and, you know, more in shape, don't go into that experience thinking like I'm doing this to lose weight, go into it with, I want to be healthier. I want to be happier. I want to be more confident and just have that as a goal instead. And then another thing I always tell people is throw out the scale. I don't even own a scale. I have no idea how much I weigh. I don't care. Um, I don't care either. Because <laughs> I remember um, even when I was first, you know, getting into working out and stuff, I would constantly weigh myself every day. And like your body's weight fluctuates every day based on like water weight and like, you know, if you went to the bathroom or not. Like it has nothing to do with you know, what you're doing. And I actually, I think I went down like three pant sizes or so, and I only lost five pounds. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, this is like, the scale literally means nothing. Um, Because like you're gaining muscle or, you know, muscle and fat, like kind of even itself out almost like when you lose weight, depending on how much weight you're losing, of course. But I just feel like the scale is just, even like the scale, BMI, all of that. I just always say like, go off of how you feel, because if you work out and eat healthier for like a month, you're going to feel like a totally different person. You're going to have so much more energy. Um, You're like going to have a goal almost like where you're working out, where you're going to be motivated and you're just going to feel like a different person. So I always say like, those two things are super important. And like we were saying too, like take those small steps. whether that be like, I'm just going to eat, drink more water this week, and I'm going to get fast food only once a week instead of three times a week. Mm-hmm. And just like taking those steps, because like each week you'll kind of, you know, get a little better and better. And, you know, just really going from there. And I think, I don't know, I had one more, but I can't, I can't think of it. I guess, yeah, I guess those are like the main ones, just going slow and, Oh, when it comes to taking small steps too, um, I feel like working out looks different for everyone. And it's just super important to know that like, if you don't like running, don't run. (laughs) I like always thought running was a big part of being healthy and fit. And it's literally not. Um, There's just so many different things to do. Like you can literally walk, that's exercise. You can do yoga, you can go to spin class, you can rock climb, you can rollerblade. Like there's just so yeah. many different ways to be in shape. Like you don't have to like go to the gym and lift weights if you don't like it. You don't have to, you know, run if you don't like it. So just like knowing that there's different ways to be active and it's totally okay if it doesn't look like a conventional workout. Exactly. And I, I totally agree with that because I had that same mindset of, I used to try to run a lot in high school. I hate running. Like I, 
will not run right now. I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good for me. Like I said, I don't like feeling like I'm dying in a workout. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I hate that. Um, but I really enjoyed cycling. So for a while I went to cycle bar and it became so much more of, you know, yeah, my legs were getting stronger and whatever, but it was like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Like there's something Mm -hmm. about having loud music blasting and being in a room with people and like pushing yourself on this bike, you know? And so it, it, it is, it's like figuring out what really works well for you. And even though we are in times right now where, you know, you might not be able to do the thing that you really, really love, there are still different ways, you know, to get outside and to get moving. And, you know, I think there's so much truth to the like endorphin rush that we feel too of, you know, there's never, I've never done a workout and not felt good after it, you know, or mm-hmm. not been in a better mindset. And so I think it's just really important to remember, you know, that you've got to do something that you enjoy. And once you find that it's going to be so transformational, not even just in terms of your body, but in terms of your mental health, your confidence, the way you interact with people, the way you interact with yourself, you know, all of that plays a role in your health and fitness. Totally. And that's what um, I always tell people too. I'm like, think of what you do to be active as a hobby. Like, I don't think of going to spin class or yoga class as like, oh, I got to work out. I think of it as like, oh, this is my hobby. Like, you know, I'm going to buy a new, a new yoga mat or new spin shoes. Yeah. And like, if you change that mindset, like it's a hobby, like I just, I don't even think of it as like, I'm going here to lose weight or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm literally going there because it's like a hobby of mine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much for just like your, you know, your openness and your vulnerability as we talk through some pretty challenging topics and some pretty hard subjects that I think, especially as women that we face. Um, But in terms of your blog, what is your goal? Like, what do you see sweaty but cute eventually turning into? Yeah. So I think I would just love to reach a larger audience. So just continuing to post and having a larger audience because I, I, you know, like I think that the influencers we follow online really affects us so much. And there's so many influencers out there that are constantly like, you know, like buy this or do this like Chloe Ting ab workout to get abs. And like, we're just constantly like thrown those messages. And I want to be like a different type of account that you follow where you know, you're genuinely becoming a better person and having a better mindset and becoming more confident and like healthier and happier. So I think just honestly, like reaching a bigger audience would be awesome just to have that impact on other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into where people can find you and where they can, you know, follow all of this, like real tangible wisdom that you are giving out. We have a segment on the podcast called truth in trial. And so my question to you is what has been the biggest trial that you faced either in starting the blog in your own health and wellness journey. So you can kind of, you can pick which way you want to take that. Um, so I think I'm trying to think, I think the biggest trial and I'm just going to say like what's the whole journey is just constantly being exposed to the opposite message I guess like your whole life and you know like you were saying like the people that raise you the media and just constantly having that message thrown at you Mm -hmm. and just learning how to shift it and now I'm just like at the point right now where I like hear someone say something like oh I have to run because I ate a bag of chips and it like 
you know, it just like oh, like sirens go off, and I'm just like, that's not correct, and yeah. you know, like you're wrong, you shouldn't be saying that, and just like being able to switch that mindset was so tricky, and now that I'm there, it's you know, it's a game changer. Yeah. So my follow-up to that question is typically, you know, what has it taught you? And so for you, I feel like you've answered that of you've been able to rewire it. You're, you know, or you're actively working, you know, through this new venture or through your own life to try to, you know, approach health and wellness in just a healthier, more sustainable way. Totally. And I think that's the biggest takeaway too. Um, I wrote about this in my first blog post I put out, it's called like my self-love journey, if you want to look it up. But um, in that, there's a section where I finally became like a size zero, like an extra small, which felt like a goal of mine since I was like 12 years old. And I was very unhappy. That was a time in my life where I couldn't find a job. I was getting rejected every day. I was, you know, living at home as an adult. And it just like instantly clicked there that like, you can reach that goal weight and you can be skinny and you won't be happy. And that's when I noticed like what makes you happy is like, you know, like being confident, honestly, and, you know, like having goals and reaching those goals and just everything else that came with like the health and wellness journey and not your size. So I think that's definitely the biggest takeaway is that like, you know, I always like say that to people and just like, take it from me. Like I've been there and that size did not make me happy at all. Yeah. And I think your story is just such a testament to how important it is to make sure like internally and, you know, when you look inward, you are good with that person, not as much as, you know, you know, the way you look physically or how you present yourself. I think it all goes back to, you know, your, your mind, you know, your body, your soul, Mm -hmm. like everything is just so connected. Definitely. And just, it's so much more about, you know, your mental health and, you know, what you think inside and just physical changes aren't going to change what's going on inside of you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, thank you so much for coming on. And just like I said earlier, thank you for your openness. Thank you for your vulnerability. I think, like I said, your message is so important. So where can people find you? Yeah. So um, if you want to read my blog post, it's just sweatybutcute.com. And I'm very active on my Instagram for my blog and it's just at sweaty but cute um so those are the two main places to reach me and I think on my blog I have a few other socials if you wanted to follow along too awesome and thank you so much guys I hope that you had some you know big takeaways from this episode I you know I like I said probably way too many times in this in this episode today of like gosh, you know, the 14 year old in me like really could have benefited from hearing this. And so it's just another reminder to make sure that when you are around impressionable women, even when you're with your friends and even when you're, you know, talking with yourself, like make sure that those messages are positive because at the end of the day, we are all influencers of some sort, whether that's in our small circle or a, you know, more of a macro audience, but just make sure what you're putting out into the world is something positive and it's not going to be harmful to anybody. So guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Go ahead and check out Emma's Instagram. Go look at her um, blog. I love the name, by the way. I don't know if I've told you that yet, (laughs) but we will be back next week. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 